0: This
1: is CliffCentral.com It's your special guest host on CliffCentral.com
0: How's it guys, it's Brett Levy back again uh, I see I'm still a special guest uh, Waiting for the day when I'm not special anymore And uh, today I've got, a, I've got a special guest with me So I suppose he'll be my extra special guest um, Just a couple of things I want to talk about Before we get into the main topic for today and, um, you know, there's been a lot of news this week about WhatsApp and the fees and they're going to start charging or rather not charge. Um, I've never paid for WhatsApp, so I'm not quite sure about that. But I think that pertains more to the international market. And more importantly, the network operators were a little bit upset because they feel that uh, we're getting WhatsApp for free and all they're making is the data out of it. So it's going to be quite an interesting space to see what happens there. Um that's referred to as the OTT services, and that's on top of. So we, you know, we're, we're going to watch that space and see how that plays out. But at this time of the year, in December, a lot of people change their phones. They get new phones, they upgrade their contracts, and all these good things. If any of you have made the choice to go to an iPhone, um, this next part is probably quite important for you. So, in fact, I can see my my desk. My desk. Listen to me. My guest Darren has an iPhone. Um, maybe he can have a look. See what I'm going talk about now. So if you have an iPhone and you've noticed that your data has gone through the roof and you find yourself being capped or not being able to connect, do me a favor and check the following things. If you open up settings, if you scroll to iCloud, so if you scroll down to you see iCloud, if you select the first one which is uh, iCloud Drive, Um, If yours is not on, then don't stress. That's fine. But the iCloud Drive, for those of you that are new to iPhone, is like a Dropbox or Google Docs. It hosts all your all your data in the cloud. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the apps that are listed there, um, and in fact, this might be a good chance for you to actually sit and look at those apps because you have the choice to individually turn them on or off as to which ones back up and which ones don't. But what you will see at the very bottom is a a setting that says use cellular data. Uh, Darren, do you have… Yeah, I've got that. And what is yours set to, on or off? No, mine's on. Okay. My suggestion is you turn it off and you turn it off quickly. So I found out something the other day. The way the iPhone is set up is that if your phone is on but the screen is off, in other words, in a lock mode and it's plugged in, so whether you're in a car charger or you're sitting in a coffee shop or an airport and you're trying to boost… That gives the phone permission to now start using backup on cellular data so it now sees that it has a power supply and it starts to back up and all of a sudden your upload data goes through the roof
1: yeah mine's gone through the roof quite a few times all right so and I thought it was Wi-Fi assist well that was the next thing I was oh. going to say so and I turned that off and I'm still <laughs> chowing data I'm like what's happening okay and now I know where it is right so there's Apple's the tip great, of the they day just leave everything on and you got to try and figure out where it is and switch it off
0: all right so guys yeah. if you are frugal on data um, or you paying for your own data and uh, not mommy and daddy, please turn that setting off. Um, Okay, so that's part of my whole thing about being productive. I mean, we all come back into the new year and we're going to, you know, we've had our holidays and we're going to start with a bang and we're going to do things. I was looking at some of the apps that were listed. I don't know if you use or have heard of an app called Todoist. So it won the best productivity app of the year last year. I, I, I think it's on Android, but I was looking on Apple. Uh, on iTunes rather. And basically what it is, it's notes, it's, um, a to-do list, hence its name. But it has a karma model. So like if you haven't got to your to-dos that you've scheduled for the, for the day, it kind of reminds you and it makes you feel a bit bad. And then if you do check off the things that you were supposed to do, it tells you good and you earn like karma points and you start to feel good about yourself. So that's, I'm going to try it and see how it works. Um, but the most important things about using these types of apps and specifically when it comes to using things that are supposed to make you pro- more productive, make sure that they are software independent. In other words, you can use on a PC or a Mac or you can use on Android or an iPhone because you never know if you're going to change devices. So you go and get yourself into this whole routine, you set it up and then all of a sudden uh, you switch device or change computers if you change jobs, etc. and they don't work anymore. So I think do the exercise first and, I, and I'm pretty sure this one does work. I also heard another rumor or there was a, there was an article somewhere published about Apple building an app that was going to help people leave and move to Android. I mean, anyone here that knows <laughs> Darren sitting is shaking his <laughs> no head. Uh, anyone I that knows anything that. about Apple knows that they really don't care about anything or anyone else that's not part of the ecosystem. It's a rumor. If you have an iPhone and you want to leave and join one of the other operating systems, good luck. That's basically the message. Um, my suggestion is take advantage of things like Google Drive or Dropbox and move all the stuff you want to keep into the cloud. Not the iCloud, especially now that you've just turned your setting off. And then you can go and get yourself a new device. The other big thing that I've seen in the last couple of weeks is the talk about Netflix and Hulu and Showmax. And more specifically, um, the fact that uh, Showmax, which is uh DSTV or multi-choices version of Netflix, welcomes the competition. But uh, a lot of people have been quite upset. They're quite excited about the fact that Netflix has come to South Africa, but there's like 700 or 800 titles, which kind of doesn't make it worthwhile. And the reason for that is licensing. Netflix uh, have gone out and said that they're going to stop people using VPNs and uh, finding ways to change their geography so they can use – the American system, well, good luck with that. Um, I mean, let's be honest, they're a business. They make a public statement saying, we will do everything in our power to make sure that we can work towards this. Um, and they've made the statement. And maybe they'll employ one little guy to sit there and click on buttons pretending he's going to work. But I don't think VPNs are going anywhere just, just any time soon. So on that note, we've talked about productivity. We've talked about uh, online. We've talked about uh, content and vpns and netflix i mentioned i've got my special guest here uh, a guy by the name of darren Selko from elan systems um darren welcome
1: thanks brett happy oh,
0: to be here jeez that was so rehearsed how I was that one too hey he made me do it thanks brett happy <laughs> to be here so, Darren, rather than me uh, introducing you and what you do, tell us. I mean, uh, you know, we'll get to the whole theme and genre. What is uh, Elan System? What is it that you do? What,
1: what? Um, We're a home automation uh, import and distribution company. So, uh, so so you make your
0: wife get coffee for you automatically and bring it to you. It's yeah, that's the
1: voice-activated part. That's, that's the voice-activated cool. right? Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> you, know, you don't clap <laughs> your hands anymore like they used to in the movies. Have you got an app for it? Yeah, there's an app for it. Sorry, yeah, I'll carry on. It's uh, uh, followed by the I'll slap you in the face, app. <laughs>
0: I know that one.
1: <laughs> so, we import all the cool gadgets that make um, all these wonderful smart homes work. Okay. So, Can
0: you explain the smart home? Because, you know, we've got various degrees, and I mean, obviously, it depends on how you spend and what you spend. But just, just, just unpack that a little bit more for us as well, what, you know, what, what side of the smart home you guys play in.
1: Uh, we play in the mid to high end space. So, anybody that's building an upmarket home um, that wants all the smart technology. Um, it's not the easiest thing to integrate. You know, there's this internet up here things that has come up now where you get a couple of little gadgets and you can use an app to switch a light on and off. Right. Um, we're doing it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a better way. We, we have a home, um, brain or server, um, that runs all our software and then we've got a link into all the electronic and electrical devices. Okay. Um, that are in the home. And unfortunately, nothing really plugs and plays in our space. Okay, cool. So, if you want to talk to an air conditioner or security system or uh, CCTV cameras and run it off a really smart, easy to use app, um, there's a lot of tech that goes behind that and a lot of knowledge and experience. Okay. So, what we do is we bring in the parts that pull all these systems together. All
0: right. So. You know, we, we're talking about integration. I mean, the big buzzword, I've I mentioned it last week on the show and I think maybe even last year as well is the internet of things, you know, and how we, and, and you just said it now, like you turn a light bulb on and, and you can turn a toaster on and all these good things. It sounds like this is a lot more than just that. I mean, we're not just doing a single function, turn something on.
1: Well, you are. Um, and I think the biggest word in home automation is the automation part. Okay. So things should happen automatically in a home automation system. There's a couple of things. Are we going course. back
0: to your wife automatically bring you coffee or the slap me button? Uh, no, you're no. going
1: back to I set my alarm system and no. I leave and things shut down. Okay. And don't consume energy and kids lights aren't left burning and I don't have to go to my app and select room by room. All right. The system's already programmed to, it knows you're going out and it knows you're away from the home. It knows that it's daytime or nighttime. And if there's lights on, it'll automatically switch those off for you.
0: So we're talking about the light side. We're talking about even green aspects as well. But I mean, there's, there's the sexy side of it, which is the TV and the sound and, uh, you know, the the content and the media side. side. Okay. So, you know, from what I'm, from what I'm hearing here, it's the smart home has quite a few different options to it. I mean, you get the simple, you, you play across the whole spectrum.
1: We play across quite a big spectrum. Um, recently we've actually had, um, we distribute, um, a product called multi-room or multi-zone music systems, and what this essentially is is a, a a smart amplifier that connects to a couple of devices for your for your entertainment. So you might have an Apple TV connected to it, you might have a a radio tuner connected to that, or some people are still using iPod docks. Um, and what that does is allows you to listen to different music in different rooms. So you have an app, and you choose which room you're you're in, and you send the music through to that room. Okay. Recently, what happened is um, one of our product brands called Niles, um, they actually took, took our Elan brain and actually inserted it into the small room product. And now we have a, a, a unit that doesn't only do music. It will control your surround sound system. And later this year, we'll open it up to control lighting and interface with security and things like that
0: okay so it's like it sounded like you was uh, about to start describing frankenstein there you know we've got the brain and we're putting it in so mm. you know the reason why i wanted you on the show today is there's a lot of people that are trying to make their home smart um i mean i've taken some old phones and i've downloaded an app and it becomes a video recorder for motion sensitivity um you know and and you can go online and you can research and you can buy modules and that but I'm sure it's quite an expensive mistake to make when you buy things that aren't necessarily compatible. So where I'm going with this is, you know, we, we talk about iOS and Android. I mean, let's be honest, there are other systems, but, but those are the two that we talk about. Um, how is your system multifunctional or rather does it, does it allow you to go and buy things and put them in? Um, is this how the industry is going? Do you, you know, or do you kind of have to work within an ecosystem?
1: Uh, With us, you've got to work within an ecosystem. It's all about having devices that are compatible with the system. And if they aren't compatible, we've got some smart guys that have got to sit and do all the programming and interfaces to make it work. Unfortunately, we don't live in an ideal world where where things can just plug and play and self-discover each other. And then you've got one smart app to um, make things work. And that's the Internet of Things space. Hopefully, it will get there one day. But right now, it's still um, – you're buying a smart li- uh, light bulb and you're buying a smart thermostat. And then you've got a streaming music player that you can put little modules in different rooms. But then you're dealing with a whole lot of different apps. So you've got to open the, the app for the light bulb and the app for the thermostat. And even though these are smart devices, like, for example, Nest has a thermostat. It's right. Quite a, a lot Net, of people know about the Nest thermostat. The
0: Nest is the, the ex-Apple guy or something. He yeah. yeah, yeah. Correct. Okay. So
1: this is quite a cool. It's a sexy little product. You pop it into the home, and um, it links to an aircon system. For the South African market, it's not really a great product because all aircon units are self-contained units, like Samsung, LG, those type of brands, where they've got a smart a remote control and they might have an app for it. Okay, but they self-contained; they don't really talk to other things. Um, with a Nest thermostat, that talks to a mechanical aircon system. So, in the US, most of the market uses a centralized mechanical system. So you attach a couple of wires to this Nest thermostat, you replace your old thermostat in the house, and then you have your smart thermostat on the wall. And what this thermostat does is it monitors your um, your movement. It looks and it sees when people are in, when they're away, and it starts learning what you're doing with the thermostat. So when you're um, setting your temperature up because you're feeling a little cold, it looks at what the temperature is in the room and what you're setting it to. And it starts to learn what you like. That's pretty cool. It's so. very, very cool. And, um, and then it starts conserving energy. So it knows that you're outside of the house because it hasn't detected movement for a long period of time. Or it knows it's Tuesday and on Tuesdays there's really little movement in the house. So I'll just turn myself right down. So it's a very cool device. And then they have some apps for it. So that's a cool little internet of things. But unfortunately, um, but it's, it's a standalone device. Okay, um, so I see what you're saying. So yeah.
0: it doesn't help to go and buy things that are all smart and, uh, and I'm, I'm sending your hands in there, you know, inverted commas, network ready or home automated ready because chances are they're not going to talk to each other
1: mm-hmm. and then it costing you more. Correct. So, so you're going to go out and buy a bundle of these devices <coughs> and then you're going to want someone to come in with a smart system um, and try and pull it all together and it's not going to be compatible.
0: Is that a challenge that you present with a lot?
1: Yeah, um, basically what we do is um, we know what parts are compatible with our system, and we've got a compatibility list of what we can work with. Okay. And it's usually most of the um, common security systems and cameras that we use in the country. Um, uh, And um, we just make sure that our um, dealers, the guys that install these systems, we call them systems integrators. These are the guys that are trained up. We give them training, um, and they come out and they assess what you need for your home, and they'll put together the parts. And then when they're dealing with the aircon guy, they can say, hey, your aircon's not compatible. You've got to use these type of aircon systems. And so
0: what you're saying is should we be looking at home automation when homes are being built as yes. opposed to once they're already
1: standing? Definitely. Okay. There's a couple of wireless technologies that are coming out, and we can do a lot more with wireless today than we could do five years ago. But we're still not there. And, okay. Um, I usually say run a cable where you can. And then secondary control will be over wireless. Okay. Um,
0: last week uh, we were talking about uh, I think it was like the biggest TV and it was 170 inches or something stupid, and and, and it was an SUHD UHD. Uh, or UHD. UHD. There we are doing okay. it again. So yeah, there was quite a bit of interest about. It. In fact, someone's even asking for definitions of it. Um, we were chatting just now, and you you were actually gave me some pretty information, pretty interesting information about this whole protocol. So take us through what ultra-high definition and HDR and, and all these other really cool little terminologies that we see. Because I think the South Africans generally, we buy it by buzz. You know, you hear, well, the new TVs come out and it's HD ready. Awesome. But we all know after three years, HD ready was actually a waste of time. You needed full HD. and Now, all of a sudden, you get rid of it. So give us a little bit of an understanding about What we should be looking at, and more importantly, why because of what it can and can't do.
1: Okay, well, Ultra HD is quite a cool um, new technology that's coming out now. Basically, what they've done is they've taken, they've doubled the pixels. So we went from full high definition at 1080p to 3096 resolution, which is um, what UHD resolution is. So we're getting a lot more pixels. So it's basically pixels per square inch on the screen. The more pixels you have per square inch, the smoother the picture looks. Okay. And also the closer you can get to the screen. So okay. you can actually put in bigger screens now. Right. Cause you can actually sit right up. Hey, do you remember like, those days? Those
0: big? I got a big TV, but you had to sit in your neighbor's yeah, house correct. to actually see it. It was so or pixelated. You sit up front and there was uh, pixels.
1: So this is what this is all about. Okay. The biggest thing that's happening though is, um, we've had, we've had the screens out for a couple of years now. Um, the, the 4K TVs that they used to call them. Yeah. Um, This is the same thing. This is UHD. Um, there just wasn't any content. And the reason for the lack in content was because of the content providers, your, um, movie houses, the guys who are universal pictures, Sony. Basically, what they, what what they said is if for the consumer to watch high definition or ultra HD, they need to make sure that the encryption is right. And it's called high, high definition content protection, HDCP. So they had the encryption in place with HDMI before, with HD, but someone cracked it. So they had to make sure – Intel actually makes that chip with the encryption. And they had to make sure that, they, that it was rock solid before they would release the content. Okay. And that's why our Ultra Blu-ray players have been delayed so long. So the Ultra Blu-ray players will be launched now. You probably saw a lot of info, uh, a lot of, uh, buzz on it. Uh, at uh, CS, yeah. And basically what they're doing is now <laughs> okay, the content back to houses. are the porn are- industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brett, you're in the porn industry. But yes, Ultra HD now, um, the content houses will start releasing it because we have now a version of high definition content protection called HDCP 2.2, which is apparently the, uncrackable version someone I'm sure will crack it but right now they're happy with it and now they're releasing um, the players so now what they've said is that your TV your UHD TV so if you bought a 4K TV um, a year or two ago it's not going to have a high definition content protection port that's HTTP 2.2 on it so you'll never watch uh, 4K, what 4K RDT, or UHD? what about if r 2 comes along on C3PO I mean would that make a difference yeah it would oh, ok cool <laughs> But basically without, um, without the chip on the, on the, on the set, you, you're not going to be able to watch a UHD movie. So they've, they've got the content protection going now, but the biggest thing now is bandwidth. So what happens with UHD is, um, it's a lot more pixels and they're adding a a lot more color to the, um, pixels. Okay. Now, um, and then they're also adding a new feature that they were talking about at um, at, uh, CES called HDR, high dynamic range. I've seen HDR on my iPhone. Yeah, I, there's a little button a, there, and that's yeah. basically the same thing. Okay. What high dynamic range does is it basically takes a couple of pictures of the same uh space. And then some of the pictures will be oversaturated. Some of them will be um, under-saturated. And it, uh, it layers them on top of each other. And it actually gives you a really cool picture. It's, uh, it gives you a lot more depth, a lot more dynamics. Um, it's it's a really, really cool um experience. Um, and they're doing that with video now. Okay. So they'll be adding HDR and they'll be adding um, all these pixels um, to to the screens. I'm going to just stop you there for a second. So, you know,
0: because I've had this argument with people before. Um, I think my phone's got a 12 megapixel camera or an 8 megapixel camera, yet it takes such better pictures than. Maybe a 15 or even a 21 megapixel camera. Are you saying then it's it's got to do with things like this HDR it's technology? Got to do with the HDR. So it's
1: they do things with software and algorithms and things like that. Okay. So basically, with uh, with the UHD TVs with HDR now, because you'll see the, the next big buzzword they're going to say, yeah, I've got a UHD TV and it's an yeah. HDR." well, that's what I was saying. Or, I mean, I like all I heard cool, these words. Cool like, I better have
0: one of those. I don't know what it is. Correct.
1: But. So basically, um, it's going to be really cool. It re- it's revitalised the TV and entertainment industry. Um, you know, everyone wants a cooler picture. We all used to our iPads with retina displays now and, um, and people are expecting that. Kevin, okay, you mentioned about the, the, the chip and the, and the security protocols and that. How does
0: that work though with, with streaming? I mean, you're starting to talk about the same bandwidth and that.
1: Same thing applies. So basically now what happens is you won't get HDR over streaming. It's too much bandwidth. You're looking at around about, um, with HDR and, uh, um, UHD at full color space, um, we're looking at around about 18 gigabits per second. Wow, which is okay. huge. That so is just, huge. just to give you an idea, over a CAT cable—that's a computer network cable. Right. We've been doing HD over CAT cable for a couple of years now, and um, we can get it up to 100 meters away using special technology um, for distributing HD around a home. So basically, what the guys have to do is they—they they obviously are limited by bandwidth. So what they've done is they've um, they're basically um, using. You're going to see a little. that You're not going to hear people talking about it, but when you look at the spec, you'll see something called 420, um, which is the color space. So what these guys are doing is they're basically using 25% of the pixel information and duplicating it, and that actually um, gives us um, a smaller packet of information, which can be transported over a cat cable. So anyone who wants this HDR um, resolution at full color space is going to have to use an HDMI cable under five meters directly from the player to the screen. Okay. So that's a challenge. So, uh, so that's, yeah. So basically you'll have a 420 version of this with less color space and this will still look great and that'll run at 10.2 gigabits per second. That's still, it's a still high. It's not. Yeah. So, so we can do that over cat cable also with special technology now. I think in the near future, we're going to see some more, fi- uh, some more fiber solutions and things like that. Yeah, and that is yeah.
0: exciting. I mean, we're seeing a lot more of these fiber hoods popping up yes. as well. Um, so, um, you know, basically if, if that brings the speed that they call it the last mile, um, you know, we get to the last mile, we can get the speeds and we can get the content and obviously then we can start to enjoy it in the homes.
1: This is CliffCentral.com.
0: And we're back. So uh, while the song was playing, uh, we had a little quick chat here. And uh, a very interesting question came up. I think, Darren, if, let's just finish up on UHD and ultra-high definition and cables and that. Um, you know, the one thing is we've been talking about automation for the last half an hour. And there's something that's obviously quite uh, relevant to South Africa, and that's load shedding. And uh, Muntu next to me just asked me, so you know, what happens – When you've got your, everything set up and it's configured and, and, and programmed and then bang, you know, power goes off. off. Everything
1: goes down. Okay. Well, basically what we do is, and, um, the system integrators usually put a, uh, UPS on the main system. So the brain of the home automation system needs to stay active in order to do its job and tell things what to do. So on really big homes, you've, um, you're consuming a lot of energy from lighting, from, uh, heating and things like that, pool pumps. And what these guys do is they've got generators and some people have got a UPS backup with solar panels and things like that. But what you've got to do to the house is you've got to take off the non-essentials. So you don't need the pool pump to go that's chowing energy. Otherwise, your battery life on your UPS runs down pretty fast. So we can set up the home automation systems to get a signal from the UPS saying, well, we're off power now. And then we actually tie into our lighting control system um, that also links to pumps and things like that. And we can actually tell the system to start switching off the non-essentials so we can do a mini load shed in your house but during load shedding to make your system to make more, your system more more efficient
0: i mean i remember when i was growing up my dad yeah. would say hey turn off the freaking lights you exactly. know I mean, but this is done automated. automatically.
1: <laughs> i had to react quickly otherwise Correct. it was trouble so this is automatic just back to the uhd thing i think the bottom line on the uh, on the uhd thing is that it it is bandwidth intensive okay so it uses up a lot of bandwidth so you're going to see uh, netflix using a um uh, using the 10.2 gigabit version, the 420 version of UHD to stream. Um, our challenge in the house, and this is where the do it yourself or won't be able to do this right away, is we've got to be able to distribute this UHD signal to multiple rooms in the house. And we That's a good
0: at- point. So guys are going by like individual TVs and their own little amps and that in each room. And they've got the playroom and the bedroom and whatever other room.
1: They now all standalone systems. They are. They're totally standalone. Each system will have its own app because most um, good um, home automation amplifiers have got a built-in app that you can just download the the brand's app and you can control the unit. But now you've got to jump into one for each of them. What we do is we take the compatible versions. and It's most of your big-name brands, not your home theater-in-a-box type um, or no-name brand components. They're decent alpha systems. And is, those, on, is Onkyo decent? Oh, we've got Onkyo. Yeah, yeah. I've got Onkyo, so I'm just asking. <laughs> yeah, there's. Onkyo's got an Ethernet um, um, a network port on the okay. back of it, and we link into it via the network port. And then our home automation system can control that whole, whole home theater system. But as I said, all the systems in the house are linked to our home automation system. So we know what the status of the house is. So when you set your alarm to go out of the house, you literally can press a remote to set your alarm as you leave the gate, it'll switch off all the music systems it'll turn off your t v it'll turn off the lighting it 'll set your heating back or switch it off so you 're already conserving energy and, and this you, is automatic I this mean, is automatic and you've, if you've got ten home theaters in the house and they're all the same uh, they 're all compatible brands it'll switch them all off
0: okay so I think the secret there is is definitely compatibility i mean when you when you're planning this journey, if you haven 't already started. You know, instead of sitting on the internet to find the best deal, you should actually be sitting there to find the best the, system, the best system from an integration <laughs> point of view. Yeah, and it gives need, you that
1: longevity. Correct, and okay. you need somebody with experience, and you need somebody that knows what they're doing. Um, you know, we, we're like a jack of all trades in our industry because we've got to know about aircon systems and irrigation and pool pumps and high voltage electricity. Uh, we've got to know about home networks. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who go out there and just buy uh, an Airport Express and they pop them up around the house or these plug-in modules. That's not good enough for a big streaming system. Now with Netflix streaming through the house, right. if you've got Netflix and downloads happening and RP intercoms now for your security system, the whole system's going to fall over. We're now going to look at uh, enterprise-quality networks. And then we've also got to talk about handover. You're now on a portable device because Apple Android devices we can control the system with. So what happens if you're in a huge house and you're crossing over from one wireless access point to the next wireless access point? And if it's not done properly, what happens is you can be listening to music, for example, and you're busy turning up the volume and now you're in between access points. And what happens between in between access points? Your iPhone can take a while before it actually jumps onto the next one and and everything buffers. And as you jump onto the next access point, all your volume comes at you because it's all buffered. So you need to design proper networks that are solid, that have special modules in that, ha- that manage that handover and it becomes really technical. So the guys that want to, you know, there's, there's definitely a market for that internet of things where you've got a small flat or you're a guy and you're tinkering with things and cool. Yeah. Make your uh, voice activated system, turn on the lights and, uh, and, and, and do your thing. Um, but when you're talking about a serious home, you know, you don't want to be bubblegum and sticky taping and 100%. have half your system not working.
0: Well, I mean, you you know, you you talking about this here, Simon, and we said that at the beginning of the show, this is about automation. And I something I'd while we're wrapping up, but I, I'd love to talk about – this is a radio show. It's all about sound. Um, you know, we've, we've mentioned the visual aspect of it and we've mentioned almost internet of things and connectivity, but sound is quite an important thing. I mean, we've all, we've all heard the cars drive past us going doof, 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 but those systems wouldn't do anything in house. It's not necessarily about big or huge. What should we be looking at from a sound point of view? You know, well,
1: this, It depends on what you're doing. We we do a lot of things for distributed music. Um, something that's becoming very popular is our garden speakers. We do rock speakers that look like rocks that you bury in the garden. We have a subwoofer that gets buried underground with a little mushroom top. Oh, the moles um, must love that. Love it. <laughs> so you can have invisible sound. I think the big thing with um, the upmarket homes is the the decorator or the wife acceptance factor where you try and make things disappear or blend in. And that's something we do really well. Now, so, do you sacrifice quality in d- blending things in? or is it You don't have to. Okay. There, there are ways of doing it. All right. So like the buried subwoofer because you lose a lot of bass um, when you put things in certain areas and using smaller speakers. So you can use a little smaller planter speaker that looks like a little garden light. And then we bury the sub and then put some plants around it and then you get full bass. You can party out on those systems. Um, for the guys that want serious home theater systems, there's a range of products where you can do a hidden cinema where um, all these um, amazing speakers are hidden behind fabric panels um, and you don't see them. We've got some really cool things happening on the home theater side. Um Dolby are doing something called Atmos where okay. they're giving us um, sound from the top. Is that what they do in the movie houses now? That's they're starting different. to add it into the music side. So- it's hot. So if you actually do a Google search on Dolby Atmos, you must actually see the software that the sound engineer uses. He's working in a 3D space. And he's dragging where the sound needs to be in the room in a 3D space.
0: So you can actually customize each room then based on its volume and area and height.
1: Well, basically, um, what the guys do is they'll, if you're doing a serious cinema, they'll, they'll, they'll work out the size of the room, the seating positions, the acoustics, which are very important in the room. Um, then obviously they've got to work out something called sight lines. So when you're sitting at the movie and you're watching the movie, it's been calculated that you're not looking into the back of, The guy's head in front of you and your, 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 your vision is optimized for the screen from, for your seating position. And the same thing happens with the audio. There'll be a sweet spot in the room and those will be the, the best rows to sit in.
0: I can just see it now. Darren get, Darren and uh, his company get calls. Um, can you please come up and help us? Our wife moved everything around, you know, it's like, like reconfigure the whole room. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think, you know, ultimately that's what it is we're spending more time at home we're enjoying what we've got there we want to get the best and, and cleanest you know i was, when we were growing up it was all about loud now it's about clarity you know you're watching in full definition you've got yeah. vibrant color huge sound
1: there's also hd streaming now on the music side so there's a company called tidal um that allows you to stream hd music so okay. it's not compressed
0: all right excellent okay. Well, we, uh, we've come to the end of the show. I mean, I know you could, we could probably talk about these protocols forever. And, um, yeah, just quickly, elansystems.co.za. Yeah. People need that's the website,
1: elansystems.co.za and Twitter is elansyssa. It's S-Y-S-S-A and follow it
0: that's on it. Cliff Central. It's on there as well. Excellent. Darren, thanks very much. And remember, keep your screens clean and your knob shiny. Peter Turin presents the glorious musical comedy
1: Singing in the Rain. Direct from a sell-out London West End season, this five-star production will leave you with a song in your heart and a smile on your face. With spectacular dancing and raining live on stage, Singing in the Rain showers you with everything you could wish for in a hit musical. Now on at Monte Casino, only until March 13. Singing in the Rain, book now. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.